Welcome to another episode of Disrupt. I'm Robert Holly with Home Healthcare News. Before we jump into my conversation with Andrea Cohen from Houseworks, I want to give a shout out to our podcast sponsor, HomeCare Homebase, whose powerful cloud-based home health software streamlines virtually every aspect of your business, spends less time on paperwork, and more time delivering quality care to the patients who need you. Visit hchb.com to learn more. Headquartered in the Boston area, Houseworks is growing and fast. Private equity backing has helped, and so has the company's unique business model, a blend of home care and home modification. We caught up with the leader of Houseworks, Andrea Cohen, to learn about that growth strategy and how it will shake out in 2020. During this episode, we also touched on how Houseworks has established an extensive partnership network with senior living operators. In fact, 50% of Houseworks clients actually live in senior housing communities. Let's dive into all that and more. I'd like to now welcome to the podcast, Andrea Cohen, the founder and CEO of Houseworks. Houseworks is a Massachusetts-based in-home care company that also does some pretty cool stuff in the home modification space. We're going to jump into all that in just a second. But Andrea, thanks for joining us today on Disrupt. Oh, thank you for having me. I'm really happy to be here. All right. So Houseworks has been up and running for around 20 years, though maybe slightly longer, if I'm not mistaken. I think 1998? Yes. How'd you get into the senior care space in the first place? And then why focus on the home? Sure. So when I think back about sort of my own trajectory, growing up, I uh, had parents who were older who constantly told me we're older. And I think that's what helped me gravitate towards taking care of older people. When I went to college, I sort of just knew that I wanted to help people and they would be older people. Social work degree seemed likely. So when I graduated college, instead of going right to graduate school, I became home health aide. That really helped me understand if I wanted to do more direct work versus sort of policy or macro work that we called it. So I went to graduate school in Boston College and took, did a macro degree. And I got my first job out of graduate school, basically in a not-for-profit that helps seniors stay at home. And you know, social workers in those days did not go into the for-profit world. We That was sort of, you know, you were a trader if you did that at, in those days. So I had this job. I loved it. And that's really when my parents first got sick. And they lived in New Jersey and I lived in Boston. So it was a difficult time because I was living it and I was doing it. Nothing really went right. You know, I felt like... I'm doing this. I know every resource that's possible, and I was still unprepared. So when my parents died when I was 33, they died within six months of each other. You know, that, you know, people look back and say, what was the pivotal moment? I think that was my, my pivotal moment when I was just really determined to get it right, and I just knew there was no turning back. And, you know, and in and, and taking care of my parents, I both looked at, wow, there's a lot of problems with the system. And I really learned a lot about myself sort of as an adult child and how that played out in taking care of my parents. You know, what I first saw, there were just so many gaps in care. You know, I hired home health aides. They didn't show up. I called the doctors. I'd get off in tears. There was no one to guide me to order the chaos. And frankly, you know, even in desperation, we hired, my mother had Lou Gehrig's disease and we hired a doctor who said he could cure Lou Gehrig's disease. His license was revoked years later. That was just a total waste. But 
you know, we we were latching onto anything, and um, I knew that it just could be done better. And then the other interesting part of that whole process for me was that personally, I'm sort of a person who likes control, and I wanted control, and I didn't have any of it. And, uh, you know, although my mother was dying, it just sort of made me feel better to check something off the list and get it done. So when I went back to Boston, I would feel like I did something. And I remember this example of going home for a weekend and I said, okay, this weekend I'm going to go get her lifeline. And I was so happy. I got it delivered. We got it installed. And I was looked at her and she was crying. And I just then realized that, you know, for her, for me, it was getting something done. And then for her, it was just like totally losing her independence. And that's when I really realized two things about taking care of a sick parent is that you have to take into consideration what's kind of going on in your parents' head. This isn't just about you getting something done. And I see so many adult children that I deal with directly that are so desperately trying to just be helpful, but not really thinking about the impact on their parents. And the other thing I felt, and again, my parents were young when I died. I had just gotten married and didn't have kids, but, you know, just be with your parents, have conversations, ask questions, laugh, learn, you know, find someone else to stock the refrigerator, you know, the refrigerator and pick up the meds. And, and frankly, that's a lot of how I built the business with those, you know, with that in mind. I actually so, didn't know that you had that home health aid experience. I feel like that must be very, very valuable understanding, you know, what the people actually going into the home and delivering the care, what they're doing. Oh, yeah. I mean, I, you know, and honestly, I, I have a picture of me with my first client. I remember like what it was like yesterday sitting in the, I was in, it was in upstate New York and yeah, it's really helpful. I, I feel really strongly, you know, when I teach and mentor as much as I can, and I feel really strongly that people can't really effectively run a business unless they really get inside the heads of their customers and or their clients, because, you know, that's where, you know, you learn so much. You know, again, it sort of helped me understand that I feel you can make, you know, what the impact you can make by having that relationship. You know, I remember how much that first client of mine looked forward to me coming over and how the daughter just wanted to sit with me and have a cup of coffee because she felt pretty isolated and alone, you know, and now I have this big business and it's like, wow. <laughs> so I feel really lucky that I've just been able to combine my social work background and my vision and knowledge of aging to run this like mission-driven company that is on the forefront of transforming aging. It just feels really good to make such a huge impact. Well, let, let's dig into that mission-driven organization then. Could you tell me, you know, for our listeners that aren't familiar with Houseworks, could you just sure. give us a quick overview of your company, you know, where, where it's based, how it's grown sure. over the years? Because I know you've been pretty active. Yes, yes. It's been been really fun. So my original partner and I co-founded the company in 1999, and his background was nursing homes, assisted living, transitional care units, or you know, skilled nursing facilities, short-term units. But even back then, we instinctively knew that home was where people wanted to be, and we sort of launched Houseworks together. And that was you know 21 or so years ago. And right now we're current, so we've, we've been in Greater Boston for that entire time. And in the past two years, 
first we expanded into Philadelphia, and now we just acquired a company in uh, New Hampshire that covers New Hampshire and Southern Maine. We're approximately 20 million in revenue, and we're growing. We have about 600 caregivers in all three locations. But Boston, you know, Boston, we grew to one of the, it's really one of the largest single site private home care companies in the country. So we do a lot of revenue out of one location. In 2019 alone, we delivered about a half a million hours of care into the home and out of Boston. We have about 200 clients a week in 57 cities and towns. But I I think what's interesting about it is we provide care to pretty complex clients. So 50% of our clients receive round-the-clock care, whether that be living or hourly. And they stay with us a, a long time. The average length of stay with us is about 26 months. We see every part of it because we keep clients for a fairly long time. And our core services include personal care, companionship, home safety, and false prevention, which you mentioned before. We have a dementia care specialty. We do home transition services, and we're 100% self-pay. We do accept long-term care insurance, and we have no Medicaid. We don't do any Medicaid work at all. And finally, I just in terms of the overview, we have a expertise in providing care in senior housing. In Boston, again, we have over 50% of our clients actually live in senior housing. We build strong referral relationships and establish formal agreements. In Boston, we're in about 50 senior housing residences. And we have this interesting, unique model where we assign a dedicated care team and can provide short shifts when volume permits. And I feel like, you know, we've had the success because we know what we're doing. We've been pitching it out there. And, you know, the senior housing residences that use us, you know, they really understand that we sort of become their partner in the true sense of the word. You know, we own it for them. We communicate regularly. We give them a heads up when a family has concerns. And, you know, we're all working really hard to do what we do. And I think post-acute providers have to really figure out ways to work closely together because there's a lot to do when it comes to keeping someone home, whether it be in their home in the community or home in senior housing. Home health care news is under the Aging Media Network umbrella. One of our sister sites is actually Senior Housing News. And something that we often discuss in the newsroom is just how senior living communities, senior housing providers, and in-home care companies they often don't seem to work that closely together when there seems to be this natural opportunity for senior housing to right. kind of reinforce their care team with, you know, a company right. like, like Houseworks. Just right. in case some of our listeners are maybe interested in starting those discussions for their own businesses, any tips for, you know, reaching out to senior housing or getting inside those communities and delivering care? You know, we've looked at it. We've been doing it for a long time. When we first, when I first started the business, we started working in senior housing and it was senior housing was really a new concept back then. And we always sort of struggled with, do we try to approach the corporate office who might have 10 or 15 or do we kind of locally just try to meet with the resident care directors and the executive directors? And I think just one tip I would say is do both you know, try to find the owners and operators if you have someone in your organization who can get that. But you you got to convince these resident care directors and these executive directors that you can actually provide the kind of care that they need and, you know, help them understand why 
using a company like a houseworks or a home care company is more beneficial than having lots of different people who what we call them sort of the gray market or folks that just work for themselves in there you know there's lots of security reasons there's lots of reasons that it gets confusing people want to know who's in their house so you know we basically came up with a pitch deck of all the reasons why they would want to use us versus not. And then we just keep at it. And, you know, they get one client with us. We ask them to attend transition meetings or we we, we show them that we respond quickly. And then what, what has worked really well for us is that when, when we get enough cases and residents using us in one place, we have people on site all the time who who support our caregivers that are providing the care who can take short shifts but being on site and really integrating yourself into the community is what really helps so when our caregivers walk around and they all have the right shirts and the right name badges and they know everybody people the residents feel way more comfortable using us so you have to figure out a way to integrate who you are and into and be there on site. That's really the, that helps the most. And I think, you know, when I first started the business so many years ago, a lot of senior housing operators were trying to do it themselves. That was our biggest competition, frankly. And what has happened over the years is that they, most of them have closed because it's not their core focus. It's not their core business. Running senior housing is not the same as running a home care company and you can't just hire 10 or 15 home health aides. You have to, you know, partnerships in the world now and of post-acute is, is way more compelling than it used to be. Everybody tried to do everything themselves and now people are realizing we need to rely on each other. Yeah, yeah, totally agree. I think that's a trend that we've noticed as well, especially, you know, in the, the Medicare certified home health world and then also with skilled nursing facilities, both uh, spaces are undergoing massive payment overhauls. We've seen a lot more collaboration between home health providers and SNFs as well. But I want to, I want to change gears briefly here. Um, sure. I want to, I want to circle back to talk about Houseworks growth again, some of the M&A news items that we've reported on. So you said that sure. you expanded into Philadelphia. That was in January after acquiring Caring Friends, I believe, home care, Correct. I believe. And then most recently, that expansion into New Hampshire and Southern Maine, that was through Extended Family. Correct. You know, when Houseworks is on the hunt per se for, you know, an acquisition, what are some of the things that you look for? You know, what what's a good fit for Houseworks? Yeah, sure. That's a great question. So our strategy basically is to acquire companies with similar values, you know, and uh, which allows us to leverage our 20 years of operating experience. You know, we feel like we're an advantage because we've been doing this a long time. And then to find companies that value quality care the same way that we do is really helpful. But more specifically, we we really do look for companies that are locally managed by talented and experienced staff. And, you know, we really feel like the key to M&A, it's not easy to find a deal, but you can find deals. But really the key to, the, to a successful expansion is integration. So when we look for companies where there's continuity of an existing management team who are eager to stay post-transaction, because we really feel like that's important for the retention of caregivers and clients and referral partners. And, you know, and we're looking to 
and and we also feel like there's synergies like we want to create synergies of all these companies so for us you know geographic expansion remains a key priority in 2020 we'll probably make at least two or three more acquisitions this year and we're probably going to be looking regionally so you know we're now on the east coast so filling in some of the gaps of current locations is a logical move for us because I feel like, again, when I think about, you know, we, we take each company, we, we go in there, we, we have a list of, you know, we listen to what the owners or the previous owners have to say, and we learn from them. I, I think every person who's doing an acquisition, even though most of the acquisitions for us are going to be quite a bit smaller than what we've grown in Boston. There's always something, there's like this hidden jewel of a little program that you can learn from some of the acquisitions that you make. So how I, I was just talking to the company that we just acquired and the, the owner is staying on and, you know, just, you know, what is she doing now? Talking about what we're going to be sort of helping her with in the first quarter, you know, creating a relationship, understanding their culture, teaching them what our culture is at Houseworks. And, you know, for us, what we were lucky because the first two acquisitions we made, they absolutely have the same culture and they're out there. They stay late to fill cases. They understand what it takes to build a business. They're both interested in learning more about working in senior housing. So, you know, those, I feel really that we picked the right companies and that we're off to a really good start. Our newest reporter, Andrew Donlin, I, I think you actually talked to him uh, fairly recently. Oh, yeah. He's working on a story about the balance that home care providers need to strike when doing deals. Are there dangers in growing too much too fast? How do you find that appropriate balance? How do you know when the time is right to grow? Yeah, I mean, we have been building up our infrastructure in order to be able to intentionally bring acquisitions in and make sure that each acquisition is taken care of. I mean, I think the art to an acquisition is making sure it's the right one by doing your due diligence, making sure that your own team is ready to take it on and making sure that you keep everybody in your company and understanding sort of the the vision of what the bigger picture is and understanding how they can be individual sort of contributors to that. And I think that's where really strong leadership is needed, helping staff, you know, stay in their lane and feel valued and how they contribute to the larger vision. And if you got to get your ship in order before you can make acquisitions is really where that goes to. And I think, so people and culture is a huge consideration to make sure that you're ready to do it. And I feel, you know, I feel like we're in good shape and that we've got people understanding what our vision is and we have the staff time to commit to be able to manage. It's sort of like caregivers. If you think about it, the first if you talk to any home care company, they would say that the first three months you're the most vulnerable in terms of losing caregivers if you don't have certain touch points. I think if you take on an acquisition and in the beginning sort of just don't set expectations, what's the business plan? How are you going to grow? What's going to stay the same? What's changing? How do we do that? You know, how do we do the brand? You, you've just got to be on top of all of that. And that goes way beyond just having a good form to do it. And it's just, you know, it's just important. 
Houseworks is backed by private equity too, correct? Does does that correct. give you you know ample support to do deals? Because that's a trend that we've noticed as well. Is 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 private equity in general seems very very interested in the home care space now more than ever. I would say that private equity is when you sit back and think about it, it's accelerating the need for all businesses to continue to get better and to continue to grow and to continue to improve and try new things and add new services and technology and hire better talent. And that's sort of what it's been helping and pushing us to do and challenging. You know, our investment has been challenging us to do that, which is something that you need to do in order to scale a high-touch business. You know, I would say the real beneficiary of uh, increased private equity investment in this space are the seniors and the families who ultimately receive better service. But, you know, the other thing is, is that because private equity and firms are active acquirers, there's increased competition for acquisitions, which can lead to, you know, a higher overall valuations, although every transition is unique. And I think that just helps the industry as well to be able to just infuse energy into home care. And um, so we've had a, for us, it's enabled us to invest in key areas. And again, I just get back to the main challenge of either taking on an investment or an acquisition is just any kind of wrapper changes people and culture. I want to um, actually read something that you told Home Healthcare News back in February. This was a story that Bailey Bryant wrote and reported, uh, and it has to do with the home modification side of your business. Here's, here's what you said, quote, in order for people to be able to stay at home, it's a bit of a triangle. You need good service, but you need to look at your environment because as good as the services, if the environment for the client isn't right, it's not going to work. People are going to really look to home modification as increasingly important. Could you just expand upon that a little bit? Why home modification is important? And then maybe uh, just give our listeners some color on what, you know, what are some examples of home modification that Houseworks actually does? Sure. So, you know, as I said, and, you know, we recognize we've been doing home safety and falls prevention for the last 20 years. So the business launched with that. And that was just, you know, because we always recognize the importance of, as I said, not only providing people with the care that they need, but also creating an environment to support them. You know, if you think about it, an unsafe home is a significant barrier to aging in place. And it's really one of the primary reasons that people move. And so that's one factoid. And then the next is that a safer environment just helps people have better days. So, you know, we used to think about it, you know, when people can't do little things like get downstairs to sit with a family for dinner or get out of the house to do errands or get their own meal versus having someone get them, their day just isn't as good. And, you know, you could set up your house in order to accommodate wait accommodate getting all of these things done. And I think that's just, you know, you can't just think about care in a silo. You have to think about care, environment, and everything else that goes along with it. And I think that's what I was saying back then. So the the home modification business or the home safety and false prevention business, as we call it now, is, is about 5% of our in overall revenue. The margins in home on are even a little bit higher, but it's a smaller business. And, you know, we have an experienced team that can go out there and provide home safety inspections and determine what needs to be done. We have about 20 full-time handymen on staff. We have an experienced manager who can sort of problem solve. 
And I would say the most common jobs that we do are installing grab bars and handheld showers and bringing over shower chairs and raised toilet seats. We often move bedrooms to the first floor to accommodate a discharge until a person gets better. We install a lot of wheelchair ramps. We widen doorways to accommodate wheelchairs or remove thresholds. We also do a lot of decluttering, and that's a huge safety need just to ensure safe pathway from the bedroom to the bathroom. Lighting is a huge issue. You don't even realize that, you know, that so we install lighting um, a lot. Everybody knows the whole scatter rugs. You know, you got to take them down or remove them. So, you know, we do, those are the most common jobs. We've also done things like install elevators and done renovations, you know, much larger renovations. But the vision for the business when we started 20 years ago, what are those small things that you can do to accommodate people so they can stay at home and that they don't have to, you know, and that they don't fall? Because we've always felt like, you know, falling is not an inevitable consequence of aging, that most age-related falls are preventable once you know how they happen and you can take steps to minimize the risk. So all of us in home care are, you know, just trying to figure out what you can do and everybody's looking at data and everybody's looking at everything to try to figure out how to stave off that hospital stay. Well, it's sort of the same thing for falls. And we feel if you could just put the house in order and do a few key things and we have our staff that can go out there and help you with that, you can really minimize falls. So it makes a lot of sense for us to to be doing this. And I would say our vision moving forward for this is just, you know, how do you integrate it more deeply into our home care offerings? And right now, this year, we trained up our case managers to do sort of a, a good, solid home safety inspection. We put together a form for them. We had our handymen teach them. But, you know, we want to go a little more sort of deeply into that and really make sure that every single person who need that, that that people understand that when you get a home health aid, you should also consider doing X, Y, and Z to change your house around. Yeah, because I, I was going to ask, you know, are in in the United States, are most homes designed for aging in place? I guess I'm just kind of wondering, you know, what what's the inherent demand for these types of services? I think that people are getting smarter now. I think that when people are moving to their sort of what quote unquote retirement homes, so people in their 60s, sometimes 70s, sometimes 50s, they're really using universal design and they're incorporating it in a way that they could stay there because people are trying to say, you know, where can I stay for the rest of my life and I don't have to move. So we have a friend, for example, who's, you know, is renovating a house and they're putting in an elevator and there's no way they're, they might not ever need it, but they just wanted it there. So they know that they just don't have to leave. So I think, you know, the second level of home where people are starting to think really intentionally about it is starting to happen. But, you know, you look at most homes with, you know, sets of stairs and two stairs can just throw you off. Two stairs can can be the cause for you to move if you don't put a ramp or you don't, you know, I remember when my mother with, with ALS, we had two stairs to get from her bedroom into the kitchen and she basically stayed in her room. And, you know, people become, I mean, social isolation is a huge issue, but to be isolated in your home in one room is really not helpful in terms of have any kind of quality of life because people are just too afraid to leave. I think we're just going to see more and more of this because there, you know, and I think that there's going to be just some homes that you just can't 
change. And but I think people are starting to move and and some people for senior housing really is the best option for them. Sometimes two spouses, they want to be more social, but I feel like every individual should have the opportunity to stay in the home that they've grown up in in the communities where they've lived if that's what they want to do. We uh, probably have maybe two or three minutes left for this one question, but I want to make sure I get to it. In our 2020 predictions piece where we reached out to a bunch of home care leaders on the trends, challenges, opportunities for 2020, I want to, again, read something that you told us. You said, there will be increased competition for corporate talent with entrepreneurial skills mixed with a big dose of mission. What did you mean by that? You know, I I talk to a lot of different home care owners about talent and, you know, the talent caregiver, the caregiver shortage is something we're not going to talk about today, but, you know, we could spend hours on that. And there's lots of different things that we're doing that are to address caregiver shortage. I also think that you've got to also think about the people who are running these businesses and who are managing the cases in these businesses. And sometimes it can be difficult to find that sort of mix of mission and entrepreneurial drive because, you know, we found, and I'm a social worker, so sometimes big hearted people can have a harder time with accountability. So, you know, it's important to find this big hearted person that has sort of a flair for entrepreneurism. Yeah. And you got to have that because if you think about what we're tasked to do on any given case, you know, we help families adjust to their new normal. We coach families. We help them make difficult decisions. We listen to them. We don't have any judgment. So you've got to get people who authentically deal with a family in crisis while at the same time they they understand bottom line, they understand it's a business, and they understand we're selling the service. And I used to many, a few years ago, I taught a class, a leadership class, which didn't exist 20 years ago, but I started this class at Boston College School of Social Work and would teach social workers how they're, you know, how they're actually entrepreneurs and they don't even know it and trying to give them the confidence to, to go out there. So I think people are understanding that you really do need both. And I think that you can coach up people to, to you know, people who are passionate about something can be taught to understand what it's like to work in a business that has bottom line issues. It's not that easy to find. And I think you got to find them in order to succeed. And we have a bunch of them here that I adore. You just heard from Andrea Cohen, the founder and CEO of Houseworks. Andrea, thanks again for coming on the podcast. Oh, thank you. It was so great. Appreciate your time. Thanks for listening to this episode of Disrupt. For more news and insights on the home health, home care, and hospice industries, subscribe to our daily or weekly newsletters at homehealthcarenews.com. I'm Robert Holly, and this has been a production of Aging Media Network, Chicago, Illinois.